Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Ears International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. So with heaven awareness for tonight, we're going to be accessing, you have access to heaven with every part of who you are. So every part of your senses. So if that means you need to shut your cell phone off and put it away so that you're actively engaged with every part of who you were created to be, let's do that tonight. Um, So active engagement as we move into this service tonight, tapping into unlimited resources of heaven. So tonight what will be released is something that we want to make sure to take with us to, uh, like Kendra talked about last week, those delicacies, things that are released here, that we get to take them and operate in them and practice using them, rehearsing them over and over to release into, into our city or to wherever you are tuning in from, that these things that are being released here in this family that we're rehearsing together as a family get to be released um, and multiplied to others. So one thing that we believe in this family is we believe in multiplication, that it wouldn't stop. Tonight, Amber is going to be releasing because she is a daughter who has clung to uh, spiritual parents. Not only that, but to Ruach, that the clinging is part of who she is, that there's been a hunger that is inside of her that is unsatisfied that she, as she continues to cling, that more and more of heaven is released in her. And so um, she's a daughter who's recognized the cost of the oil. So tonight as siblings, as, uh, as, as members of her family, we honor you, Amber, for what you've done in just clinging, walking out the process and learning, recognizing what it takes to multiply and then learning and and uh taking that and teaching us what it looks like to take and and multiply to engage in all realms of heaven and then to to bring that as you overflow your interactions with heaven your encounters with yahweh and bringing that into our family so we honor you for that i do want to call amber up because i am ready to Um, I'm ready to get going. I know that engagement with heaven is what is going to change the earth, right? The more that we begin to interact with heaven, engage with heaven, and release that on earth, the more earth begins to look like its original intent. It begins to look more and more like what he created it to be, more and more like that garden. So, So as a standard bearer tonight, as Amber calls us to a standard in this family or to anyone who's watching on live, uh, she's a standard bearer. So what she'll do is call us as a family, set a standard and calls us to that standard that we would rise to the occasion, rise to the standard to meet that so that we can walk in a new way. That as she calls us to engage with heaven in something completely different, then we'll begin to take that out and um, activate that on earth as well. So are you ready? Yes, we're ready. All right, Amber, are you ready? All right. Thank you for all that you've pressed into this week. And, And beyond that, we understand that it's not just this week because of releasing, but all that you've done to cling, to learn, to honor, so that you could release that here so that we can learn to do that as well. So we appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know how long it's gonna take me to get started. <laughs> um, it's been a very intense couple weeks. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm having a hard time because this word scares me. <laughs> So, um, last week, well, and so everybody knows it's so live as aware. Sorry, I keep sniffling. Um, our apostles of the home are not here tonight because they have been sent on behalf of this body to rest and reset and recalibrate so that they, um, as the spearheads of this family are able to continue to be the spearheads of this family and do not um, become weary due to a lack of um, stewardship on our part to honor them and honor what they carry. So we have intentionally set aside time for them to be gone. So they are gone for this evening. Um, 
resting, resetting, refocusing, um, gathering more uh, from heaven so that they can come and continue to be that spearhead. Um, so I'm here. Um, and I, uh, the, this word really hit hard last week um, when Apostle Tanya and Justin released about Hanukkah. And um, in case anybody wasn't here or for live, if you guys missed it, but they recapped the importance behind Hanukkah and um, basically the, the family of the Maccabees and what they stood for. And that in a time when the standard was dropped, they were the family that said, I will uphold it and I will put my life on the line because it is better to die with honor knowing that I, with, uh, that I upheld the standard than to stain my honor and retreat. And that was honored in ways of miracles in protection in the oil lasting longer than it should have and it fell really hard on me last week because as you guys know my heart is governmental it's very governmental focused there is a lot that i feel like he's given us to steward governmentally as a family and that's something that i just naturally think about is something he that naturally catches my attention i naturally follow um as for some it's not as just for me it's not common in other areas like it is for other people right um but for uh this last friday it hit really really hard because hanukkah this year falls december 10th through the 18th and on December 14th, right smack dab in the middle, there is the electoral vote. For anybody who doesn't understand what that is, there is the electoral vote for the presidency. There, it usually starts with the popular vote, which is what we're seeing with the states flipping back and forth and the lawsuits being filed for different reasons and all these types of things, right? So we've, we've been seeing all that but the electoral votes are what the electors of each state take and then vote in each state and then we'll send it. There's a big process, but then we'll be sent to Washington DC to then be confirmed as the president. So the electoral votes, the voters are supposed to be voting on behalf of the people of that state. So, why it's been getting me so emotional is because you can, I can see very large amounts of similarities with where the Maccabees had to stand and hold a standard and where we are now. In that there has been a period of time where we have started to become numb to things that are not of our standard. And we've started to assimilate into a culture that is not our own. And so it's, it's heavy because the Maccabees, although the Maccabees isn't necessarily in the Bible, it is our history and they are the forefathers of that standard. And so we honor them for that and we recognize that. But there's, there's similarities in that, in the sense that we, with this vote, we can see how it's either one extreme or the other. With whoever were to become president, it's one extreme or the other. The Senate is one extreme or the other. The House is one extreme or the other. There is no middle ground anymore. 
And in the process of that, the church has fallen in suit with, well, I, I want to make sure that people feel loved. I want to make sure that people feel accepted. And it's, we've become numb and allowed things to move when they should not have. And so it, it, it has weighed on me because what happens in that is that the standard is no longer a standard. The standard is just a word. It's just a word that we use. It's just, well, this is our standard. This is just kind of what we do. And it no longer holds any reverence or honor or recognition to the standard that he upheld us to. It's just simply a word. Law has become less valuable than opinion. Your opinion apparently now uh, overthrows any laws because that's what I wanted. And so that's what I'm going to say. There's no, a, a man's word means nothing. You can't trust a word anymore. And over the over the week, um, I I have had him walk me through encounters to try to understand because you'll see things right now where somebody will go to a rally one way or the other and they can be brutally beaten because they aren't agreed with and so there's an example of an elderly man who was beaten by the youth because we didn't agree And I don't understand how we've gotten so wrong that we'll stand there and we'll videotape it. It's not even like, oh, I didn't see it. I'm going to record it. I'm going to stand there and watch it. Whether you see it or not, there is a similar spirit behind what was going on during the Maccabees time and what is going on now. And it does not necessarily look exactly the same. It looks different. It looks like the spirit of not being able to gather. It looks like not being able to get together and worship. It's It's the desensitization of pornography and the lack of covenant between a husband and a wife. And it's, oh, well, it's fine. That, I mean, the, every man is addicted to porn and that's just how it goes and you're just gonna have to live with that. No, we don't live that way. That's not our standard. We, like, there, it has come to a place where the youngest are aborted for no reason other than inconvenience. They're used as sacrifices. By the people we think hold the most power in our government. And you can't tell me that's not the same. It's when the Maccabees watched and had to walk through as babies were ripped from their mother's arms and killed in front of the people.
it's normal now to hide and lie and cheat and steal and kill and beat somebody because you don't agree. And our standard's not really a standard anymore. It's just a word that we'll use because it's convenient. And I'm frustrated because this house is called to hold a standard and it's not just a word. And I continually relate it in my head that if, if somebody came in and I had to lay my life on the line because of a standard that they were wanting me to assimilate to something else, would I be able to stand and say, I'm not bowing down to anything other than the standard that, they, that Yahweh set for me? Am I ready to actually die for that? Am I really? This house came from kings and priests. We came from a lineage that knew how to uphold the Ark of the Covenant. You know, people died from just touching it wrong. That's the standard that we're called to. That if you touch something wrong, that is our lineage. That is the kind of standard that we're upheld to. And I'm not, I'm not saying this from a place of like, oh, I'm perfect. But even if you break it down, like the standards that I fell flat in, the reason why the standards continue to go down is because as parents, what I've seen happen is, well, I didn't meet that standard, so then if you don't meet it, then it's okay. Like, yes, there's grace and there's understanding for that, but we do not lower the standard because I messed up. I'm still going to uphold the standard and expect that from the next generation, even if I didn't make it because they are, my, they are standing on my shoulders. I expect even more. Yes, there's grace and there's mercy for when it isn't met, but there's, a, there's the reputation in the continued stance that, well, I, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, um, we're not married, but we live with each other. Okay. So then what happens is the next generation comes in and we're like, well, you did it. And it's like, well, yeah, I did. Okay. And we just continue to desensitize the standard and it just continues and continues until the standard is no more than a word. And so as, as I was pressing in this week, because obviously tonight is heaven awareness, but as I was pressing in this week, I was trying to understand to the level that the Maccabees, if you, if you actually read through the Maccabees, it talks about a, a family who, who literally took their family um, and went up on a hill, said, anybody who wants to uphold this standard can come with us. And that family grew and grew and grew in numbers, but they still watched their own people assimilate to something else. 
And so as these people had to separate themselves, they, over the years, um, it talks about how one of the sons, as the father was passing away, one of the sons was given the authority to govern um, the, uh, the military, basically. And throughout the story, they, they, were, they were tried over and over and over and over and over again by different militaries that outnumbered them by the thousands, tens of thousands. There's one story specifically that had like 800 soldiers surrounded by 10,000. And the men were like, we have, to, we have to retreat. There's no way we're gonna defeat them. And he said, no, you don't understand the authority that my God carries. It doesn't matter how many we have. Our, our victory is not in our numbers. And so it, it, they go on to be these like 10,000, tens of thousands of military fully armed men with 800 people. Because they said, I'm not going to assimilate to something else. I'm not gonna bow down to this. And at the very beginning of the, the family was offered the, the ability to, the, the king sent a messenger and said, hey, I know that you're really respected in this area. And if you come with us and you decide to basically submit to our way of living, you will be friends of the king. You will be given riches. You will be recognized. Your friends will be saved. And he said, I would rather die. And at that moment, somebody literally who was, who was supposed to be someone of similar faith walked over to the altar and gave a sacrifice to the king right in front of him. And it just made me think like how, how strong in your faith do you have to be to watch somebody literally walk right in front of you and say, well, I, I'm done. And literally create a sacrifice and an altar that was for Yahweh. What kind of like unwavering faith do you have to have in the standard and in Yahweh to know that no matter what anybody else does, even if it's in the midst of having a sword to your neck, that you are gonna hold the standard. If I am the only one, I will hold the standard. There was a type of reverence and honor and fear of the Lord that they carried that we don't recognize anymore. The people who carried the Ark of the Covenant had a fear of the Lord and an understanding and a hunger that we do not understand anymore. Jason said something a while back about a post he saw on Facebook that said, hard times make strong men, strong men, make easy times, easy times make weak men, weak men make hard times. And it just creates this cycle. But what I'm realizing is that as the cycle goes down, what's not passed down is the remembrance. If you remembered If you remembered If you remembered what he had done, you would not forget. <laughs> Lest we forget. The Maccabees were strong because they remembered. It wasn't just a con it wasn't just a standard in their life, it was a conviction. They lived by it. There was no well maybe today. Well, I don't really, I don't really feel like it today. It was all in, all the time, always. Kings and priests in it, all the time, always. Monks studying all the time, always. 40 years into life, into scripture. Mom has talked about how one scripture has 500 layers in it. Have we read it once? 
Mom said last week that four-year-olds used to know the Torah. Do we even read that to ourselves, let alone our kids? Do we remember? This is our history. Our history. This is our lineage. Have we read this? Do we know what this says? Are we even three layers deep into those scriptures? Do we remember the priests that went layers deep into the temple could not afford to not remember? They would literally die, die, just die. And you're like, well, I, I was good this week. They don't have that excuse. There is no excuse. You know it or you don't. We remember or we don't. And if you don't remember, then there is no reverence, there is no honor, and there is no way that you are going to be able to encounter him the way that he wants to be encountered. Because you don't remember. He gave us the Torah. He literally gave us instructions on how to live. And we're like, I don't really know what the answer is. As a family, we have been given the answer on how we are supposed to walk. We know what the answer is. We have a family surrounding us. We have a mother and father who continually die so that we can remember And there's a nonchalance of like, well, I don't say any of this again from a place of like, I've got it all figured out because I don't. But I stand on the other side of being convicted for not upholding the standard and saying that literally you are going to either die upholding the standard or die not. And so I, I want to, I want to have our encounter with Yahweh. But I want to set the tone. Because this encounter isn't in a field. It's not. It's not the easy like well this is just fun and we're just gonna walk around which is awesome those are absolutely awesome and needed but if we are going to allow him to remind us of what he's done while we stand on the floor of honor He's gonna have to be positioned differently. And so I don't, I don't say that in the sense of like, it, we don't need him as dad or comforter or even father. Because yes and amen, we need every single one of those aspects. That's who he is. But we need to understand and remember the magnitude of who he is. And so for this encounter, we're going to give him a seat of honor. And we're going to allow him to sit on the throne.
and he doesn't have to be savior or even dad but someone deserving of honor that one touch could kill you that you can be blinded from how bright he is and yet he opens the door anyway so we are not positioning ourselves in a state of pity or where it may have come from in the past of like oh well he's on the throne and i'm just a wee little peasant or feeling like well, i'm an orphan please uh, may i have some oh like we're just sitting there like we are sons and daughters kings and priests and we have been given any and all authority And when we allow him to sit on a throne of honor, he is able to move in a way that we have not allowed him to move previously. Because it is get down from your throne and please come save me. Please get down from your throne and show me how this works, which is awesome. And he loves that, absolutely. But there is a different tone and there is a different authority that when we enter into a room of honor, and reverence and knowing that you could be killed in an instant but he chooses not to that we recognize him as a place of honor that we may be remembered of what he already did so that we can understand what he's doing he's allowed to sit there so we enter humbly and knowing that there's nothing nothing that we could do to be in his presence. There would be no reason why we would deserve to be there. I haven't done anything. I couldn't do anything. I'm literally nothing, but I am everything because he said, are we seeing his grandness? Are we seeing how big this is? Is this hitting to the extent that you would be able to say, I don't care if I'm the only one on this battlefield and there's tens of thousands, I will stand my ground. Do we see his greatness? I don't care if everybody on Facebook says you're an idiot. I don't agree with you. That is hypocritical. That is unloving. I will hold the standard. I don't care if I sound like a moron. I don't care if you don't agree with me. I don't care if my own family says, I don't know what you're talking about. I've had the encounter and I know what my convictions are. And so I will stand my ground if I am the only one in this world because I would rather die than stain my honor. I will not assimilate to this. I will not assimilate to sickness. I will not assimilate to the random convictions that other people may have because I stand on what I have seen and what I haven't encountered. I will not move. This is my box and I will not move. You move. He is getting us to the point of remembrance to understand his grandness and who he is and who he's always been. So that if there is no other people with you, you are able to stand your ground. You are not thrown to and fro. It doesn't matter what your cousin, brother, sister's uncle said. I don't care if everybody from high school thinks I'm a freaking moron. I will love you to pieces, but I'm not moving. And that is only because I know my convictions are based in Yahweh and not in somebody else's opinion. When I am convicted by Yahweh, there is no wavering anymore. So I want to explain this room that Yahweh's in. And this is a literal encounter. This isn't just 
Let me just imagine something. You are meeting Yahweh in his throne room. There is reverence in this room. There is honor in this room. There is wisdom and guidance and understanding in this room. There is things that I do not understand in this room. But because it is not my room, I do not set the standard. I do not set the rules. I do not get to say what does and does not enter in this room. Which means I may be uncomfortable. Which means I may be convicted or pressed on in something that I don't want to talk about. There is standards in this room. This is where kings and priests met with Yahweh because of the years of dedication and time and perseverance and understanding of honor and knowledge that they carried. That is what this room is. So if you need to take a second to take your shoes off because they are dirty and you don't walk into the Father's presence with dirt on your shoes, then you take off your shoes. If you need to go somewhere else so that you are not distracted by somebody else and you can hear what he is saying to remind you of what he has already done, then move. I will give you guys a second to do that. Whatever that looks like, it could be more than that, obviously. So as you guys are getting prepared, um, I have some olive oil and I would like all of us to come up and get a little bit. And I wanna explain that there are specific oils that are mentioned in the Bible and used as honorable gifts. There's the story of the woman who literally poured the expensive oil on his feet and washed his feet with her hair. It's not just, oh, oil. I cooked with that this morning. I want you guys to come and get a little bit of oil, whether that's on your finger or whatever, but take it into the throne room as an honorable gift to Yahweh. Because when you honor somebody, a lot of times that looks like bringing gifts, not always. But if we can do just one step of having some type of oil to be able to bring as an offering, then it helps us also set the tone for what we are entering into. Again, as we, as we prepare to enter into this room, he is in the seat of honor on the throne. And we are not entering in a state of pity or from an orphan's perspective, but understanding that we are sons and daughters of the Most High. The Most High. And so as we, as we enter, He's going to begin to remind you of some things so that we can understand honor and reverence and the fear of the Lord and like I said, this is our lineage. This is our history. These are our people. So if he takes you somewhere you don't remember, don't discredit it. Because he could be telling you about your lineage. And he might need to remind you of something. So allow him to not just sit in the seat of honor on the throne, but to be able to speak and facilitate and move the way that he would move. 
And again, this is an encounter, meaning you are seeing him. This isn't a vision or a imagination thing. So if you physically cannot stand in his presence, that is real. If you are so blinded by the light in a dark room, that is real. So again, just prepare yourself to walk into a room where the king dwells, where he abides, where he's allowed to freely move about. Because pride and arrogance can get you killed in this room. I'm going to just start the encounter and as we continue I'm going to stop talking and let him take over from there there won't be a walking through there's not going to be much explanation once I'm done talking because everybody being reminded of things is going to look different the way you start to understand the fear of the Lord and carry the honor and the reverence of where you're standing is going to look different than anybody else in the room. So prepare yourself. Everybody close your eyes. You're standing at a portal. And the other side of this porter portal is the cosmos, is the universe. And you step through it. Everything else is black behind you. There's no distractions. It's just you and space. Before your eyes begins to appear, either side that guard these doors are not our kinds of doors there is no walls holding them up there is no floor there is no roof they are two doors that are so big you could never open them They're made of marble, inlined with gold. And as you walk up, you knock, and they open. going to explain what it looks like past the doors because I don't know if everybody will walk past the doors. I don't know if everybody will enter the room. But as the doors open, there's a very narrow A very narrow walkway. 
made of marble, lined in gold. There is no other floor, there is no walls, there is no ceiling. As you follow the, nail, the narrow walkway, you see a small set of stairs, again made of marble and lined in gold. On either side of the narrow path in the stairway, there is a thick fog with the living Hebrew letters that are moving. At the top of the stairs is the altar. It's on a platform. It is intentionally higher. And there is his throne. I will not describe his throne. But on the back of it, there is a waterfall that has no end, that never hits the floor, yet isn't directionless. From this place you decide. last thing, I apologize guys, one last thing that he just reminded me of is that in this room he gets to decide when you're done as opposed to other encounters where you may get to a point and you're like okay, that's good in his room he decides when you're done so Continue to press in until he says otherwise.
Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomheirsflag.org. Thank you.